This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Scala Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Okay, hello and welcome to this week's podcast with me, Lee G, and my main man, Martin. How are things, Mart? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. I think we should let everyone know that it's half-term week and we may have a few extra guests that kind of pop in and out of the podcast as, as we go. So do, do you want to say hello? Do you want to say hello to everyone? You can say hello. Uh, no. <laughs> there, was, there was a teeny tiny high then. Yeah. Uh, we're, think, we're very I think brave. she's gone shy. Oh, bless. So, um, yeah, so lots of stuff for us to, to talk about this week. Or maybe not talk about, you know, with Scarlet's and, and what have you from, from last Saturday, uh, Friday. Is it Friday or Saturday? It was Friday, wasn't it? Friday was. Yeah. I'll be honest, I've done my best to kind of block a lot of it out of my, out of my thought process. Because it was just kind of... <laughs> Stop, come on, man. You've had this before, so... <laughs> it's just funny, mate. It's funny. Just for reference, you know. Some type of lacy thing for me to do a bow in her hair later. That's not for your hair, then. I, I don't even know yours. where. No, I, I, I don't even know where this has come from. It's, it's just a, it's just a nice pink ribbon from the looks of her. Just she just pulled it out of somewhere. Yeah, it's I think it would suit you. Though. I think get the hair in a ponytail. I think you'd be sorted, man. This it is yeah, in a ponytail. But, yeah, but with a nice pink bow, you know. I think I look a bit like Matilda then, won't I? <laughs> we'll have to record the video on this before long. I was thinking of doing that. I was thinking maybe we'd do like a, a, a live one during a, a Scarlet's game, but maybe when we're playing a bit better. Because, yeah, getting it's back to... a couple to... years then, is there? <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? It does feel like it. So, yeah, I, I couldn't make the game last Friday again. Um so what was what was the atmosphere? I was surprised, to be honest, to see that many people inside the ground. I know we'd said last week, you know, let's let's try and fill the ground, and I was fully intending on going, and then just couldn't. So I was quite surprised to see. I know it wasn't anywhere near where it could have been, but I was surprised to see anyone there, to be honest. Well, uh, I, I I didn't make the game either. The uh... The wife had planned a weekend, not 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 too far away, but uh, away. So she dragged me up on Friday, and I was like, I, I was kicking and screaming a bit, but kind of glad in the end after I saw the result. Mm. But uh, oh, from from watching it, it did look like there was a fair few there. I mean, I'm 
I, I don't think it was quite 7,000, but I'm sure I've seen somewhere on Facebook or somewhere that it was around that many there. Which, even with, you know, with Dragons playing as as well as they're playing, they're only just starting to, to touch 6,000 people in the ground, you know? So, well, you know, it's uh, at least there are a few people still there. So, what, what did you make of the game then, mate? What did you What did you think of it? I mean, I, I didn't manage to watch it live, so I saw the result before I watched the game. And I, I was quite disheartened before I turned it on. But I, I didn't think it was as bad as I was expecting it to be. Mm. I mean, yeah, we, we were well-managed. <laughs> but there, there were, were a few moments of, of joy to pick up. Like, you know, our try was, was pretty nice to look at. Mm-hmm. And no one really, you know, fully capitulated down. They were, they were still there. They were still give, giving it their best all the way through. Mm. And I think that's been a massive change this season, just seeing the boys fronting up for the full 80. Yeah. I, I, I think we made the most breaks, most clean breaks, most line breaks in the URC last weekend. And I think that's kind of... Do you need to go Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I think done? she must have just... Walked... I, I don't know. This is uh, is Daisy now that is crying. I, I, she must have just woken up or something. I'll go oh. see if I can... Skip, yeah, go on, uh, mate. You go. Fix something on the TV for her or whatever. <laughs> my sincerest of apologies. I could just see your face turning and it was like, oh, no. <laughs> That's cool, mate. Is she okay? Yeah, she's fine. She's just woken up. She's uh, fallen asleep on her sister's bed, and um, her TV show was no longer on TV. So she's having a bit of a meltdown. Serious stuff, man. That's serious stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll make the most of it there while it's quiet. So. <laughs> so yeah, I think we made the most line breaks in the URC against Leinster, and you know, there were bits of that game where we were actually okay. I listened to a Leinster podcast this morning and they were saying how dreadful we were, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, that's a load of rubbish, actually. Because, you know, when when you're sitting on top of the game and you're like, you're the best thing since sliced bread, it's very easy for you to be critical of other people. But <clears throat> I think we, we made more breaks against Leinster than any other team has done for like most of last season our problem was in finishing them, you know, and it was the same as the week before we were throwing passes, they were going to the floor, we were knocking it on and we just weren't sustaining enough pressure. If we could have looked after the ball and just held on to the ball longer, I think we would have put them under some real, real pressure because we did make a lot of breaks. I thought our line out was just, it just went to pot. And I have no idea as to why, whether that was Leinster kind of working out what we do and, and getting up in front, or, you know, we are missing two of our key line-out specialists in uh, Sam Lousy and Fafita. So, you know, I don't think it's as bad as it sounds. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think there's stuff there that we need to address, but 
I think if we put our, our, our full first 15 on the park, I don't think we have many issues. I think it's below that that we have issues. And how many times in a season are we going to put our first 15 on the park? Maybe maybe the first game of the season, if you're lucky, maybe. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's probably where the issues are. Um, so I thought Combi played well again. And then I, I say he played well, but then he goes and makes a couple of stupid knock-ons, you know, from catch, catching a high ball. And it's that's, I think that's the frustrating. And you, you could go through the whole of that side and go, I thought they played well in a little bit. I think they played well in another little bit. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't enough for everyone. Everyone made a few mistakes and you add them all together and all of a sudden you've got a bit of a drubbing, especially when you're against Leinster, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I think I totally agree with you on uh, most of things, and I'd even say with our line out that Blade has been, you know, one of our main catchers in the line out for well over a season. So add him into the mix, and that's three mm. men down. That's your, basically your entire line out. Mm. And I mean, yeah, if, if if you look on paper, we we were better than Leinster in a lot of well, in in a lot of stuff. Like we like you said, you made more clean breaks. We beat more defenders. We actually had better territory, which I was quite surprised to see mm. you know after watching the game and it, it it is just you know silly mistakes us breaking it down but we've well we apparently got over 10 plus players returning from injury over the next month and i i know we've seen a, a couple of players come in for connect rfc on the weekend i know like the dan davis was back playing again mm. so mm. hopefully we'll get a bit closer to our best 15 but my my main issue with the minute is you know we seem to be a bit non-existent in attack we seem very one-dimensional the only times the ball ever seems to go wide is in a sort of transition play mm. where the only option is looking up oh we've got to go wide and we're mm. just not doing that from straight phase play we're not stretching defenses we're keeping them way too narrow yeah and Hopefully, having uh, our new coach come in will uh, will improve that over the well when we come to see it in South Africa now at the end of the month. Hmm. I, I I think you're right that when we were when we were carving people apart, we were doing it with confidence and we were going wide early, and then punching holes down the middle, and and we were. It, I think so much of it comes back to confidence. Even at the start of the season, you know, Ulster and, and Ospreys, we were throwing that ball around for fun. You know, we were scoring tries for fun. And and everyone was saying, you know, you need to work on defence, defence, defence. And you can see there's been an improvement in defence. It has. You know, the, the intensity is there. And when we're, when we're defending, we're defending actually quite well. I think we're defending about three or four metres back from where we need to defend. But, you know, with that that tackle, when, when we come into a tackle, we need to be driving back and not accepting those three or four metres. But it's it does seem like we've lost the way in attack. And I, I can't see how you can forget how to catch a ball. Do you know what I mean? I can't see how you... When someone's throwing an inside ball... And it's not a difficult ball to catch. You just put your hands there and you do this from the age of like six. You put your hands out 
and it comes in and you grab hold of it and you've caught the ball. It's a, it's a simple process and the amount of balls that were going down just flummoxed me. It really did. That, you know, Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> I picked up a lot of stuff in what Leinster were doing just completely. If, if anybody else was doing it, they'd be raked over the over the coals you know when they when the when their forwards are in a ruck they every i can't say every virtually every ruck is sealed off illegally player comes over the top he's he's not supporting his own weight he's on the floor and then as a player comes into contact he uses uh, you know the base of that player to support his weight he is not supporting his weight and he is sealing off and i i picked that up about seven or eight times through there and once you start seeing it you go right that's sealed that's sealed that's sealed and it's not the you know that they're getting away with it somebody in commentary said you know oh that's they're working the fine margins of a ruck so no they're not they they're the wrong side of where the law is but what they're doing is they're presenting the referee with a picture that says actually we're doing okay so there, there was a lot of stuff there that a should have been ref better and it should have been more of a contest but b when we're making those breaks we should be capitalizing i think we i think there were six breaks that yeah. we made that we were one pass Clean. away from a try yeah and and they were or Combier again kicked, it went in field, it bounced wrong. You know, we 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 nearly scored from behind our own line. You know, we ran the ball length of the pitch, we nearly scored. So it's not as bad as people are making out. I really don't believe it is. And I think a lot of it is down to confidence and bringing in players who probably should have been blooded last season or season before or whatever. And I, I think this is where we need to take a leaf out of the books of Leinster and Munster and Ulster is when when Leinster are playing well, yeah, so that they they had three boys on that pitch on Friday night uh, on debut. Yeah. So they, they come through the academy and they come through and they develop. They 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 play in uh, a lot at a, a lot higher standard a lot earlier. And when things are going well, they throw those boys into the team. And those boys are in the team and they're competing for first team place. They, they they're not put in and gone. Okay, you can you can have a game against the Scarlets and then Zebra and then sit out for three months. You know, they they're in there and they're told that if you play well, you stay in the team. So here's your opportunity go and fight for your shirt, you know? And I just, I just think it's that that second layer down that we don't have. And with the best will in the world, asking somebody to step up against Leinster when they've played 40 minutes for Camarden Quinns against Clandovery or whatever is is a big jump. Don't get me wrong, players, people like, like you say, like Dan Davis coming back from injury, need to get on a park somewhere so yeah that's ideal but we need to find a better way of developing a second line you know develop the squad to a higher standard so that when we lose a couple of players straight away you go okay well that's not a problem because so and so can come in and so and so can come in and 
I've, I've, in my head, I know how to solve it, but we'll save that one for next week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go through it now, but, you know, there, there is a way of solving this. And hopefully, like you just said, um, Lee Blackett from Wasps may well be a, a big part of the solution. So, so, so let's have a chat about him then. So, what what do you make of him? What do you know about him, and and what have you? Okay, I'll start with what I know. <laughs> uh. And you know, he he came through the Rotherham Titans Academy as a player, as a as a centre wing. I think he holds the record for the fastest try in the Guinness Premiership. Yeah, something like eight point yeah. three seconds, something yeah, like eight that. Seconds, isn't it? Yeah. Um. I've looked at his, his coaching career and as a professional coach, he's been involved for 10 years. He started off as a player coach with Rotherham. He then went on to be their head coach for two seasons. And in those two seasons, they played well out of their skin. They made the the English Championship playoffs at the end of the season in both those seasons. Mm. And, you know, the season before, they were bottom half and ever since they've been relegated to division since he's left and so we move on to his wasp period <laughs> started as a uh, backs coach for I think it was four seasons but he Moved, came in to replace Stephen Jones when Stephen Jones came home to be uh, Pivak's coach that's when uh, Blackett took over as backs coach so he took yeah. Stephen Jones's place so yeah Yes, we, we spent four seasons as the backs coach. I got the air quotations up because, you know, <laughs> assistant coaches, they, they move around depending on, you know, how your head coach feels most of the time. Mm. He started the 2019-20 season as backs and attack coach before Dai Young uh, eventually got told, you know, you're running this into the ground. Mm. And he spent two years as head coach with Wasps. So uh, they'd there is some pedigree there. There's a fair bit of experience. And the, the time he has been with Wasps as a head coach, you look at where they were when Dai Young was leaving to where they've been over the last year or two, and there is a bit of improvement there. Hmm. So uh, it can only be a, a positive thing. I'm, I'm I'm more hopeful than I am anything else. Yeah. I, I, you know, he, he's supposed to, I, from what I've heard and what I've been told, he's, the boys are off this week. This is a week off hmm. and he's going to be joining up on Monday. So I think he comes in, yeah. in, isn't he coaching Barbarians um, this week? Supposedly. Yeah. But I, I, you know, if he's, he's gone from Wasps being, you know, no job. So no, because I know the Barbars are picking a lot of uh, Wasps and Worcester players because they're out of work. Yeah, but if he's going to turn him and say, "Look, I've I've been given a job here," you know, yeah, he's going to take the the year long job because mm. that's what I've been told it is. It's just till the end of the season initially because you mm. know wasps might return the next In, season. I think the the expectation is is that wasps get relegated to the champion the. Yeah, championships below the Premiership, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so they get relegated down there, and then they want to pull a lot of their players back uh, and coaching staff, which uh, you know, fair enough. That's that's how they want to do it. So, I I actually think when he does join us, I hope 
he does make a real positive impact and he does kind of enjoy just being it's difficult being that head coach and then everything goes bump around you and then you you've just got to take whatever's on offer and for us that's you know that is assistant coach um and and it's the gap that Dave Flanagan left when when he went to, yeah. to Dragons um you know, and I, I, I actually think having a head coach in there with Dwayne, you know, let's not forget, it's, he, he's still learning the ropes as head coach and still trying to be a, a, an attack coach because that's what he's had to do. So there's an element there of, you know, he's still learning the ropes and having an experienced person come in with him, I think might be just what he needs right now where somebody can go, do you know what, just leave me, do that, I'll sort this. Somebody to sit there with him and go, right, let's have a look at where we are. Let's let's go through the video with a cup of coffee, just me and you, and let's just have a chat. Do you know what I mean? I think he yeah. just, there's been a lot of pressure on him and a lot of expectation on him to turn around a couple of years of really poor performances Um you know, that, that was all put on, on Dwayne's shoulders. And he kind of went, yeah, we'll do this. Because that's the kind of person he is. He's like, yeah, we're going to turn this around. We're going to do it. So I think having a bit of reality mixed in with it, that actually we need to do something a bit better, a bit different. Um, there are a lot of Wasps players around at the minute. And until the WIU get their fingers out and, and sign the agreement for next year, nobody's allowed to sign him. You know, that's why Dan mm. Thomas has gone back and things like that. We, we're not allowed to sign players for next year. So I think I, th- I think he's going to be a positive. I hope it takes the pressure off Dwayne to allow him to just go and do what he needs to do because it just feels like wading through treacle for him at the minute. And the amount of supporters who are not supporting, <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it's unfortunate, but there's just so much good stuff that could be there. And, you know, rug, rugby nowadays, is it's, it's a game of very fine margins. I say that when you look at the, the, the figures for the Leinster game, when you just put those figures down on a piece of paper and ignore the score, you go, oh, that's, that's a close game. You know, because everything, it was really close. And if anything, you go, you know, Scarlet should have edged that one. I think we had like 15, 16 penalties, something like that. You yeah, know? it was, uh, we give 16, they conceded 15. So there was literally nothing in there. Yeah. But you'd, you'd still look at that and go, you know, if you're forcing 15 penalties out of Leinster, then, you know, you're doing something right. So I don't think it's... It's going to be a massive turnaround because we're working in such fine margins. Like I say, six passes could have resulted in tries on on Friday night, and in which case, you know, we're, we're how did Scarlets hammer Leinster so much? You know, those those are the they're very very fine margins, and I think it's really easy for people to sit there and slag people off. It's not so easy to to actually do something about it, so. I'm hoping this is the turning point. I really am. I'm hoping this is that point where everything starts to click. Like you say, we'll have, I think they said, 11 players plus Fafita 
and Lousy back Lousy. by the end, didn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this uh, South Africa trip, and I, I say that knowing we've lost six of seven games, mm. just because I know that that that, that mini core of internationals is not going to be with us, so we are going to be forced to play some young boys and take some younger players out there for that experience. Mm-hmm. And with the addition of Blackett coming in, I'm really hoping that you know we we just see a bit more fire. Uh, you know, just someone stepping up and taking that opportunity, like you said with the Leinster boys. You know, they told you know you play in this game, do well. The shirts you was, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping we have a bit, bit more of that mentality going down to South Africa, because it doesn't matter which two two teams you face. It, it's not an easy task. Yeah, and I think the from a scheduling point of view, you know, we've got, is it three weeks now? We're three weeks without a game and then we go into two weeks in South Africa, isn't it? You know, that's a long training period, if you like. That's a long period to just have the boys together and then you go on a little mini tour where you know you've got two games. You know what I mean? It, it, it's from our point of view, I think this has come at just the right time. If I was a Dragons, I'd be a little bit annoyed because, you yeah. know, you you, you spent form. Yeah, four seasons waiting for a good run of form and then you have it and then straight away you have three weeks off. So I think this has come at the right time for us and a little bit of, you know, let's not forget when we went there last year, we, was it the Lions we played first of all? Where we we no, should have. Uh, who do we play out there? And we played the Lions and Stormers at home, so it would have been the Bulls and the Sharks out there. Okay, well, whichever one we played first on the Friday night, you know, we were we were in that game with ten minutes to go, you know, and we probably should have won that game as well. And then the second game, yeah, we just lost so many plays in that first game that it just wasn't going to happen. But I think having that many players together away middle of November, go spend two weeks in South Africa. Don't mind if I do. Thank you very much. Will will I need my brolly and my raincoat? I don't think you will. It's South Africa. Go enjoy. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a nice kind of break, a nice kind of like, let's just forget what's gone before. Let's start again and let's, let's really build. And boys have got it in them, definitely got it in them. It's it's to... not just going down to South Africa to have a break. They know that this this two weeks, there's no expectations whatsoever. And then we go into the two weeks of the European Cups. Hmm. And we can literally say, you know, this next month of games is just about getting our performance levels right, getting our... Well, I can't even think of the word now. Just setting things in a good place for when we have that Boxing Day game against the Ospreys because that's going to be the first game that they have expectations put back on their shoulders. Mm. Mm. And I think I think there's enough players there with enough quality and enough experience to to do it. I, I, the bit that concerns me now, and it did when, you know, when we were playing well with Pivak, we didn't see enough boys coming through, even under Pivak. 
You know, we he, he kind of spent half a season finding his first 15. And then that first 15 was pretty much solid to the end of the year with a couple of injuries. Somebody would come in and drop out. But it was, I don't he had, think... He had a good core of, what, 27, 28 players. And yeah. they more or less were fit for the entire season. Yeah. And we didn't lose many to international duty. And it was it was a tight bunch of boys that were there together. But I think that's what's kind of crucified us now. There was nobody, we didn't go there and go, right, okay, who's coming next to follow this? Let's let's bring them in. Do you know what I mean? And the only person that's really come through now has been Costello. Costello's had a a good season. You could argue, you know, Combier probably came through last season and this season. But we need to have like five or six boys on the edge there going, and actually they're pushing for a place, you know, like two below two when he comes back in, he needs to be pushing for a place. And 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 it's bits like that that you want a whole raft of players going, you know, I'm gonna challenge for that first team position because if I'm not getting it, then you know I'm I'm gonna work harder until I until I do. So so the one yeah, player exactly. the one player that I would have expected to come through now um is uh, Hathaway, Josh Hathaway. And by all accounts, he's gone to Gloucester, which is a it is a loss. It is a loss because he is a cracking player. I've seen him play a couple of times, and he is a cracking player. And he would have been uh, uh, an excellent back three player. But that's what I mean. We, we need to have uh, at least five or six players coming through, and we're producing ones and twos each season. So. It's not even about producing them. It's just having the boys there to put that pressure on the the actual first team and even the squad players. Mm. So, I mean, th- I, I'm quite surprised we haven't seen a bit more of Eddie James already this season. I know he's had a bench. I can't remember if he came off the bench, but you know we've got three you know young centers in Joe Roberts, Eddie James, and now is uh, a yes in William. He's a, yeah. he's another young one who's been uh, putting some good performances performances in for the RFC, and you know I, I'm expecting to see them you know pretty soon based on how our centres are being injured and lined up. But we talk we've talked quite a lot about Corey Baldwin this season, and you know he is an outside centre and he's had one opportunity. It seems to be a bit of reluctance to try these boys. Hmm. And I think that's what's kind of, that's a difference between us and the other sides at the minute is we're not confident enough to try some of these other players who I've probably done enough. I say, I think Joe Roberts is injured, isn't he? Is he still injured? Yeah, he's still out. He should be back within a few weeks. I'm hoping Christmas. I was t- I was told last time. When you Christmas, think yeah, Christmas is is what I I was last told. I think it's been a few weeks. You know, mm. injuries go either way, especially the long ones. But I I haven't been told anything different when I've asked the question. Okay, so because he was really starting to push on at the end of last season and and challenge. So hopefully, like you say, with another 10 players coming back, if we can avoid injuries for a while, we may well go into that European Cup Championship thing 
feeling quite good, feeling quite positive. And it, it would be nice to feel positive for a change, you know. It's, yeah, I, I think some of the boys in the squad have got a bit of a point to prove as well, especially being o- overlooked for the uh, autumn campaign. I mean, I, I'm talking about, you know, uh, McNichol, Combia. I, I mean, I can add Patchell and Gareth Davis into that, but they haven't exactly been playing well. And I was, I was really, uh, I was, I was a bit upset not to see Harry O'Connor named, you know, because I thought he's been playing excellent this year, mm. and with all all this emphasis on being a homegrown player, not a homegrown player, but a home based player, and I, I understood it in the summer when they picked Sam Wayne right ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Because you know he had a little bit more experience, but I, I I can't make that same argument right now. I I think this first block of games, Harry O'Connor has been you know more or less a shining light for mm-hmm. us in our forwards. Same as Stefan Thomas, I think you know those two boys have been absolutely incredible, and Harry can feel very aggrieved at not being in that squad, and I don't think. Stefan Thomas is that far behind when, you know, if you take out Win Jones' injury. Mm. Well, see, I, I made the bold prediction that um, uh, O'Connor will be our mainstay by not the not the next World Cup, but the World Cup after this, the 2020 wins. What year will be? Seven. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I, I do. I think he's going to be, you know, because he's still young. And he's holding his own already against some big, big players. This is why I like the the South African kind of experiment, if you like, in the URC, is we're we're putting young boys like Harry O'Connor up against some big lumps and actually finding out really quick that actually he can can do the business, you know, he can cope. So, you know, I think there's a lot of positives there. There's a lot of players coming back. Go on, what you got now? Go on, what you got? <laughs> oh, uh, this, this is just a side point. Um, for, for anyone who, who likes the Rugby World magazine, there's actually a little article on Harry O'Connor in this month's uh, edition. So uh, if anyone likes Harry O'Connor and fancies having a little bit of a read, it's, uh, it's a nice nice little article on him. Because he's saying that he, start, he didn't start playing until he was 13 years old, which is uh, pretty right, impressive cool. for a prop like. Yeah. And yeah. uh, he says he wanted to play on the wing. <laughs> and, uh, Typical prop, so, then. So, yeah, we, we see how, how that one's turned out. And uh, he, he's put in here what are his goals for the season. And it's just to play as many times as he can for the Scarlets. And I like I like that when, yeah. when a player talks like that. Yeah. Well, let's say Combia made 50. Was it his 50th on last Friday? And oh, he's... Yeah, you know, that's so, yeah. that's come up quite early for him because it's only really three seasons he's been there or the you know, first season he was there or thereabouts, and then last season he, he he was really starting, and this season he's really put his his foot there, like you know. So to come up to fifty already, the the, the boys playing a lot for the Scarlets and getting the experience. And I think O'Connor will do the same thing. He, you know, he will become our mainstay and we just need to build. We need to 
we need to find more players. Well, no, we don't need to find more players. We need to create those players. We need to find the players with the potential and develop them ourselves because that's the way the game's going to be in future. We, we won't be able to bring these big players in. It will be all homegrown stuff. Yeah, that, that's one of the issues I've got with the development pathway at the minute. I mean, they're, they're telling boys at 15, 16 years old, they're not good enough. And then they just leave them in the wind. I mean, if you look at just the Scarlet's region, we've got five Dewar Shield sides, which is, you know, what, about, about 150 boys at the age of 15. And then that goes straight, straight down to 60 at the age of under 16. Mm. And the rest of those boys, they, they're not given anything to work on. They're just told you're not in. That's it. Mm. I know it's, it's that's amazingly disheartening for, for a kid, especially. And, you know, as you would know, as anyone would who's played rugby, you don't really find out how good you can be till you're about 22, 23. Mm. So if you tell that to a kid, you know, at 15 years old, you're not good enough, and then leave him in the wind, it is it, it, disgusting in, in my own view. And it's something that needs to change massively. And I think that comes down to the quality of coaches and, to a certain extent, the facilities and i've been banging on about this since since i was a coach so i was i was a level two coach when i was coaching under 13s under 14s and my parents like the, the parents of my boys were always on about you know it didn't matter what the weather was lee was training we, we literally had one training session where you could not see the other end of the training pitch we were the oh, only nice. people on the pitch and it was like no, we, we train. And then we were playing against boys that were training. They had indoor training. They had their own gym. They had, uh, do you know what I mean? I had to go out and I had to try and get sponsorship from local gyms. You know, can I bring my boys in? Can you get them, you know, show them a couple of bits? I had to try and get them doing other bits and bobs. And I think we need a whole root and branch approach uh, you know, we, we'll talk about this when we talk about you know the local game as well because that's where these players come from. But there needs to be more um, more quality lower down the system in order to support the quality at the at the top end. Because you, you, like you say, if you get told when you're 16, once when you get to 16, they tend to select backs at 16 and forwards at 18 or 19. And then and the forwards tend to, they're attached players in between 16 and 18. And then when they get to 18, 19, they kind of go, okay, you're in or you're out sort of thing. And I think the the support that goes around players at the minute is very parent-based. You know, it, it is all about, um, if you're lucky, like we, we've been quite lucky where my job allows me to be quite flexible. So if, if my boy needed taken somewhere during the week to do fitness tests or skills tests, or we needed to go to a training session with somebody, do you know what I mean? My, my job allows me to flex around that and we've got cars, I can go. That's not a problem. If you're not on a, uh, if you haven't got a job like I've got and you haven't got two cars, you're, you're screwed. You know, there, there is no way of getting your boy up to Cardiff to do fitness tests. There is no way of getting your boy 
to Parker Scarlett's to, you know, for um, uh, half-term assessments and stuff like that. And, you know, we miss that sometimes. Actually, we're focusing on the boys who've got a good system around them already, and they're the boys that will go into Scarlett's Academy. And a lot of that is luck more than anything. You know, like I say, I, I got this job because... Well, when they offered it to me, but the job, the job that I was doing before that wasn't this flexible came to an end and, and it just happened to be this one popped up and I went, oh, okay, can I have that job? Yes, you can. So it's it's not one of those, if, I, if I'd have gone somewhere else, and, you know, my boy wouldn't have had that support network to go and do what, what he's done. So when we talk about, you know, how we develop players... I think we need to talk about more how we do it in more in in depth. You know how we support coaches, how we support clubs, how we support players, and we need to start thinking out of the box. Because you you look now at Cardiff, right? So a lot of Cardiff, a lot of that Cardiff team now are coming through the two Cardiff um, colleges, uh, Cavac and the other one whatever the other one is yeah so they they've got um just shy of about five hundred thousand people i think it is living within 20 minutes of their training grounds yeah scarlet has got three hundred thousand people but half of them are spread out over an hour away so do you know what i mean getting a load of players together in Cardiff is a very, very different prospect to doing that in Schleswig. And we, we need to go, do you know what? We need to put something in place that's different for the Scarlet's region because we're different to, you know, Swansea is, I think they've got, uh, I think they've got 300,000 within 30 minutes of the training facilities. And they got the infrastructure with the bus routes and the trains to get into the Liberty pretty easily. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what the closest train station to Parker Scarlet is. You know, that that's that's the reality what you're looking at. Yeah. And so speaking to someone, so I had to get, my boy had to come down. So my boy's in Hartbury. He had to come down to Parker Scarlet's uh, on the train. So I had to go up to Parker Scarlet's. Well, I had to go up to... <laughs> Leslie train station. Leslie train station is not very well signposted at all. <laughs> it's, it's. I was parked in the car park and I did not know I was in the car park. <laughs> I thought, I'd, oh, I'll ju- it's around here somewhere. I'll just pull in. Yeah. Sat and had completely given up on me and kept telling me to do U-turns. Oh, I'll just pull in here and I'll wait here. And I was trying to find like sat and have on my phone. Didn't have I, any I know exactly signal. where you are, but I, I, I'm imagining you were you were sat on the the other side where the, there's cash for clothes, and if it was, it looks like that's it's a one. dead lane. Yeah, it's, that's it's, the one. It's a lane. And then I, I mean, sat there, there. There is a, a nicer, more clear car park the other side of the train station, but I that's you know that's how you not find it. Off. So uh, <laughs> I I phoned my boy and he goes I I I'll be there in a minute and and then the train came past me and I'm like oh I've just I've just seen a train oh it stopped 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting off. I can see the car. Like, All right. So, <laughs> you know, these, I know it sounds stupid and stuff, but these are the challenges that we face as a, as a region, well, well, the really. Scarlet's face, that you just don't get in, in, like, if you want to go to Kavak, yeah, in Cardiff, I can tell you right now, you go into Cardiff Central Station, you come out into the car park, you will cross the car park towards the British gas um, uh, building, which you can see from the car park. You cross the, the traffic lights and you walk down there about three minutes and you'll see everything on your left-hand side. Yeah, that's how it's literally the city yeah. centre, you know? And anybody and everybody in Cardiff can get in and out of there so easily they've got their, they've got a 4g pitch they've got an indoor training facility they've got three gyms that they can access you know they've got all of that stuff there and we need to think right how do we get that for boys in cardigan and aberystwyth how do we make sure that the boys in fishguard and haverford west and tenby have all got an equal opportunity to develop themselves and the coaches around them up to that same standard. So that was that was a, that went off on one, didn't it? That went off on a different journey. <laughs> yes, just a little bit. I, I think the all-around feel is to bring the base standard up higher to everyone in the country, regardless mm. of if you live in a hundred miles from a city or you live, you know, a yard away from your nearest pitch. Yeah. I, I think it's all about having that opportunity to develop yourself. And like you say, if you are dropped at 16 or 18 or 21, that you've got a genuine opportunity to get yourself going. back into recognition. So, yeah. So that's our review <laughs> of the Leinster game. <laughs> so um, let's, um, let's have a quick chat about um, local game from... Uh, yeah, from last local week. game. Local game. So There's not that many to go through, sadly. Well, it kind of follows on from the end of that conversation, really. I mean, I I counted six games that were off for one reason or another. Um, so I've got Crimmock and Velen Voyle. Velen Voyle couldn't race a, a team. Abrusbrith, Pencloud. Yeah. Uh, Pencloud. So I think Pencloud couldn't raise a team, but I think that game is going to be replayed because it wasn't classed as a walkover. So I'm not sure on that one. Uh, Woodland couldn't get a team against Newcastle Emlyn. Ponteberrim couldn't travel to Milford. Fishguard didn't travel to Burryport. Um, St David's now I thought St David's are doing quite well this year but um, they couldn't get a team to travel to Nantamoyle was that it? Yeah I think that's all I've got there Uh, I've got I've got in the youth section now I've got a walk over with Banger over Haverford West but I I don't know if that's if that is you know a a postponement because they couldn't raise a side Hmm. Because then directly below them, they've got come goes and Whitland been postponed as well, and that clearly says postponed. So I don't know if the walkover was they got over a hundred points and they ended the game. Right. Okay. Yeah, bit of a weird one, but I think what it shows is that that cup setup. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm all in favour of trying something and and seeing how it works. I think that's been three seasons now. And the last weekend 
always ends up like this, where you know, you realistically, it's, it's always the same. It's the teams that know they can't go anywhere. They like you know, it's costing us money to travel here. It's not really going to do us any good. So why don't we just mm. you know knock it on the head, have a rest, and we'll, yeah. we'll crack on next week and train in. And but you've also then you you know you're risking players. You know you're risking injury. Like I said, there's the cost element to it, and you know, are you, are you, unless you're going to treat it as a training game, as in we've got a new couple of new players in that we want to blood into the into the team or whatever. Yeah, I I, I think it's disappointing that these many these many sides that many games are being lost, but I totally understand why. I, I totally yeah, get. I think it's a, a new mindset as well from you know back in the days when we were playing and coaching because we've had this massive lull with COVID and there just seems to be so a different mindset to playing a game now mm. as as opposed to a few years ago. Because I mean, I, I used to remember where we we turn up even if we only had twelve or thirteen boys and we'd be going, look, can we either borrow a few of your players or can we play thirteen on thirteen? Yeah. I know the WIU have put things in place to allow games to go on, even a 10v10, but it doesn't seem that that's the case at the minute. No, and it, it is one of those ones. I think there's a bit of pride in it as well, where, you know, if you you don't want to take 14 boys away, knowing that three of them are, you know, youth boys that are playing up, knowing that you're going to get stuffed by 50-odd points and go in and hoping that you get something out of the game. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah I, I think with this cup competition, all well and good, it, they've had a go at it. It's not quite worked the way it, that they wanted it to. But, you know, time to maybe have a look at it for next year and go, right, okay, what do we take from this and, and carry on with and what do we what do we not go forward with? Do you know like, what I mean? I, I did like the idea, like maybe not so much the group stage idea, but the idea of having, you know, more than one cup game, you know, knowing if you lose, that's not the end of it. Mm. Like maybe if probably they, they've separated absolutely everything now, which is something I don't like. I don't like the fact that, you know, your lowest team can't play someone like, you know, <laughs> your, your Pontypris, your Cardiffs. I mm. no, can you can imagine if if a first round game was St. David's versus Cardiff, that would be absolutely awesome. And then you know I was trying mean? to tell Cardiff that they got to go in fancy dress. <laughs> Basically, but you, you know what I mean. We don't see those games, and mm. I, I think it'd be a good idea if they just blocked everyone in together. And where they've got the cup, the plate, the bowl, the shield, however many different names they come up with, just work it out from that way. Like round one winners carry on, you know, the losers go into the 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 plate or whatever it is, and do that for the first few rounds, just so oh, they I'm keep a few games going. Mm. Yeah, it's. I think that there's. I mean, I I totally see the relevance of having a Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three kind of tier. I, I I get that. Oh, but you don't want no and, one getting absolutely smashed all the time, but you know, it it takes away some of the excitement. Yeah, I, yeah, I I totally see the other side of it as well. Like you're saying, like when I played, I, I think my first game of the season, my first game in seniors was away in. Um, I was right the far end of the country. Literally, it was it was a full. That's why I played because our first team number eight back then was just like I just can't be asked to travel that far. 
Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. But then we went into the second round. And I think it was the third round back then where the big boys entered. And if we got through our second round game, we were going to play Neath at home. And I, and I was like, oh, right. You know, training that week, there was like about 40 odd boys there, like, you know. So it, it definitely does. I mean, we got stuffed in the next round of the cup, but, you know. Yeah, for, for a few moments, for, for I think it was one and a half weeks worth of if we get this game right, we play Neath at home. Wow. So, yeah, and, and you need that, especially in a small club. You know, you look at somewhere like Langham, if they were playing you know, one of the big clubs that we, you know, that would make this season, you know, financially yeah. and play-wise. Mentioning Langham as well, the youth side has been absolutely on fire this season because they, they won their cup game at home to Carmarthen Athletic. And mm. if you think Langham and then you think Carmarthen Athletic, you know, they've got their own barn, they've got all these facilities and, you know, they, they, they're shit hot at the minute. You know, if, if, we can, if we can edit that in. No, no, we leave that in. No, I think with Langham, Langham benefited from Nayland folding. Um, and I think they pulled a few players from Milford and a few from Pembroke Dock and a few from Harford West. So, because um, I know they lost a, a couple of their big players to Narbeth season before. But then when the other sides kind of folded, they kind of they were left standing they were like last man standing sort of a thing so you know fair play to them such a small little club to be able to pull those players in has been you know really really good and and long may it continue so I, I tell you something I did see from the weekend right which pleased me no end so um I, on Twitter Tembi posted a um Ponte the license there yeah, and I just thought, do you know what? That's a that's a good, um, that's the way it should be. You know, I'll be honest. When I was when I was playing, um, I was one of the worst in the changing rooms after the game. I would. I can see you. I can see you right now. Honestly, it, it, I, I can see all your makeup left on the floor, it, just powder yeah. everywhere. It's disgusting. Yeah, the wigs, everything. No, it used to take me a good 20 minutes to calm down after a game and, you know, there'd be tape everywhere and, you know, mud and all of this kind of stuff. When now I look back at it and I think, actually, yeah, I should have, you know, should have had a bit more respect for the club that I was in and just kind of tidied up and done a bit more. So I, I'm hoping that that's actually the start of something where all clubs, home and away, you know, when you're done, when you're finished, you know, take your bags back to the bus, dump them on the bus, spend 10 minutes in the changing room cleaning up. Job. What is that? That's like, that's not even, you can queue for a pint for longer. Do you know what I mean? But if everybody yeah, does you, it. You can even do it on a rotation basis. Say like, oh, you know, it's your turn this week. And you can even go, look, whoever does it, you know, you, you get a free pint out of it. You know, you, yeah. you can make, make it in, incentivize it. Yeah, but I think it should just be, do you know what, this is This is what we do as a club. Because in the olden days, when I say olden days, when I was playing, there used to be three committee men who were just in charge of looking after the changes. You know, three men, three committee men. Nowadays, you're lucky if you get one to to go in and do it. And sometimes it's got to be the coach after going, all right, I'll, I'll stay and I'll, I'll tidy up. So I think... You know, players can, 
really make a change for clubs here and just go, do you know what, we're, we're, we're going to show a bit of... I, I've said it's ethos over ego is, is what I've said. You know, you're, you're never too big to sweep the floor. You're never too big to wash the showers down or something, you know. So, yeah, I hope so. I hope more teams take it on board and full respect for, to Tembi for putting it out there and, and, and saying this is what we do and for Ponte de Lice for recognising it. And I hope that, that kind of attitude spreads particularly well, in the yeah. youth game but yeah so uh, we haven't got previews to do this weekend uh for, no, for local we don't. games i mean it's it's kind of a boring one so i, I <laughs> guess i guess anything we can really talk about is oh what's the what's our team that plays in red down in cardiff <laughs> yeah oh. so i mean what i what i will say is I'm I'm getting pretty close to actually going back through all the old podcasts and putting in our predictions into some kind of league table. So at some point over the coming weeks, we'll before it all starts again. Well, it's a, for the community game. It's only this weekend off. I think everything's back on the weekend after. So I have got that to, to do. But before we talk about the the New Zealand game, um, did you see the AGM? And Rob Butcher, um, did you see it? What did you make of it? Where do you I sit mean, on it? The idea of bringing an independent chair in, yeah, I'm 100% behind it. It just makes sense. I mean, we've spoken before, all the people on the WRU board and as such, they're all just committee men from clubs. Hmm. You know, it, it is a £100 million business. It needs someone who's got that experience and those qualifications to take it on. And the, the fact that, you know, what was it, like 65% of the clubs voted in favour. Yeah. I think that was pretty poor. Um, I, I don't know if all the clubs were in attendance to vote. But, you know, there we go on that. And I, mm. I know it came out in the news about a week or so ago that they were going to do it. I mean, it, it probably could have been done with being publicised, you know, for about a month or two beforehand, just to mm. make everyone aware of it, just so people talk about it in the clubhouse as well. And then, you know, it. I think Rob Butcher is basically David Cameron by you now. You know, David Cameron, oh, let's vote, let's vote on Brexit. I don't want it to happen. It's happening. I'm going. And yeah. that's exactly what Robert, Butch, Robert Butcher is doing with this independent chair. Well, he said he's got personal reasons and and things like that for for leaving, but he's still going to be part of the board. So, you know, if he does have personal reasons, then you know, the bit I don't understand on so some of the feedback that came back from clubs was they didn't really know, they didn't really understand, and they waited till the AGM, like like you were saying, they waited to the AGM to find out about it, and I'm like we've just spent the last two years doing zoom meetings and, and virtual meetings. Are you seriously telling me that somebody in the WRU couldn't sit down and even record a meeting and go, right, this is, this is the proposal. This is what we want to do. This is why this is how it would affect you. Send that out to clubs and then get some questions back in. Let the old fogies argue about it and old fogies in clubs, you know, I, I've been a secretary in a club. They're frustrating as hell, but they keep the club going. That they are the boys that mark out the pitch, 
all do the kit bags. You know, they're, they're the boys that get your kits washed. They're the boys that clean your, your changing room after. So they've got a place within a club, but that they shouldn't be in a position where they're controlling what happens at the WRU. And I think that's the kind of the, where they're struggling is, is they have to get those boys on board who some of them have been doing this for, you know, 40 odd years. You know, they've, they've been the core of their club for 40 odd years and they know what they're doing when they talk to the WIU. They know who they're talking to. They know who they trust. They know who they don't trust. And, and I go back to what I said before about how we, we change things in the Scarlets. I think we have to go beyond tinkering now. I think we have to go in and go, right, okay, we, we, we've got to start making some big changes that we're probably five to ten years behind on already. And other other sides are making those changes ready for the next ten years, and we're already behind. So we, we need to do some real big soul-searching, and we need to have conversations, and we need to say to people, you know, we appreciate the work that you put in at the club level, but club level and, you know, if, if you're running Langham, for example, and you're doing a really fantastic job in getting, and I'm not saying anything about the Langham boys, I don't know, I'm just using them because they're a small club, but you're doing a really, really good job of keeping a youth team together and we want that youth team to go on and be, a, you know, your, your mainstay of your senior team, but that doesn't mean that you can control what happens at the Scarlets and at Cardiff and at WIU level, you know? So we've all got a place and we've all got a set of skills. Use your set of skills to do what they do best. And hopefully the WIU can put something in place where, you know, if something is majorly wrong inside the WIU, people should be able to feel that they can express that and say, right, okay, that guy out or whatever. But at some point as well, you just got to go, like you say, it's a hundred million pound business, probably more, and go and go and run it like it's a business. And I think that's where the struggle is: is people can't see um, if this is a hundred million pound business, why are we scrabbling around for, you know, somebody to sponsor paint to to do the changing rooms? Do you know what I mean? So I think that is where the WIU need to go, right, okay, this this is how we need to restructure stuff from a, a, a root and branch approach where there's so much stuff that WIU does that it doesn't need to do and it needs to just stop doing. And this stuff that it really, really needs to do, like supporting those lower-end clubs, but then go in, we'll keep you going, but by the way, we're going to focus on... That, it's, that money is coming from the top end of the game and to make the top end of the game prosper we need to do things differently from the bottom end of the game that's why I should be in charge of WRU mate <laughs> the, the question is then why aren't you you know you, you've been a secretary you should you should have stayed on pushed the chairman oh, you could be getting yeah. elected to the councils the district you know do it mate no, do, do you know what? My, my, my problem is, is I say stuff, I, I've got no tolerance for stuff at all. And sitting there and discussing, you know, um, you know, I know 
we've got to you've got to take everybody with you but then there are some people that you just go no i don't need to take you because you're an idiot and we haven't said that enough to people to some people we haven't said to to some clubs actually you know and i think this is why cardiff struggles with the regional concept with ponty and Ebervale and all of that kind of stuff actually this is the region you're the club this is the region it's different you know and there are some people there that just need to be not put in a place but say look this is how it's going to be now this is what the next 10 years is going to be like and this is what you can expect this is where we're going to go forward and this is why so that's my kind of my bit on why you know i'm not saying it would have been any different with me standing up in the front of everybody and, and telling them but we need to change we, we desperately desperately need to change what we're doing and how we're doing it because it's not working for the top and it's not working for the bottom so you know that's the way life is can you hear my dog can you hear my dog yeah dog good, that's the question you know yeah uh, hang, hang on a sec catherine what are you doing Huh? Is she? Oh, okay. Go on then. Just shut the dog up. Pick the dog up for me. Pick the dog up. Well, my daughter's got a friend staying over and her mum's come to pick up. Have you shut the dog up? Okay. Anyway. Have you shut so, the dog up? Mm. Bark. Yeah, yeah woof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Take your cakes. Take, they made cakes this morning. That's, that's what you do when you're a 13 year old. I don't know. I'm not allowed them. I'm take a cake so. I'm not, I don't know. You, it's not fair. Why did you then? Well, I, I, mean, I allowed them. I allowed them to switch the oven on. <laughs> so, anyway, that uh, that brings us to to the Wales New Zealand game. So, yeah, we we've got five minutes. Off you go. Tell me what you think. Uh, I I honestly don't know what to think. I mean, we've got boys that haven't played in weeks coming in. You know, I I think this is uh not not a poor New Zealand, but one one of the weaker New Zealands that could have been named. I mean, just the fact that you know Jordy Barrett in the centre, uh, Bowden at fullback. You know, and if I, if I look in their front row, you know, De Groot and Lomax, they they know their front line props. I'd even say. Cody Taylor's probably looking as though he's going to be stepping, you know, maybe third choice overall. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think this one is there for the taking. I think there is an opportunity. I, I'm not going to put my house or nothing on it, but just <laughs> look, looking through the, the 23 and seeing where this New Zealand side have been, I, I do think that there is an opportunity there. The one thing I do have to mention is I, you know, Rio Dyer is is starting, and I have seen loads of people already commenting saying, "Why well, he hasn't he hasn't played for Wales? He's out of his depth." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, how else is he gonna gonna learn yeah. if he's any good? I mean, yeah, in all exactly. fairness, he is probably the you know first or second in form Welsh winger. Mm. At the minute, so he deserves that spot. Hmm. It doesn't matter if he's played a hundred caps or zero. If if he's playing the best 
rugby at the minute, then he should be in that squad, and that's something I think us in Wales haven't seen seen in a long, long time. Yeah, well, we haven't had enough players in form. I think that's the the bit, you know. We haven't had enough players that are just every time they touch the ball, something happens. And I, I'm I'm fully behind him playing. I think, like you say, we need to give players like that the opportunity. And if you're if you're New Zealand and you've got Rio Dyer, you know how are you going to plan your defence against him? Because you've got nothing to go on. You know how are you going to stop him from playing? How are you going to? We we used to know when Shane Williams was playing, but the way to stop Shane Williams was to target Jonathan Davis so that the ball didn't get out beyond Jonathan Davis to Shane Williams because you couldn't stop Shane Williams. So you know they're not really going to have a defensive strategy in mind other than don't give Wales the ball. So I'm I, I've got a theory for this game, right? That is quite detailed. And my theory is if I predict a New Zealand win, I can't lose really. Because <laughs> if I say New Zealand are going to win and then they win, then yay, because you know, I picked that one and I spotted that one. Well done me. If I pick New Zealand to win and Wales win, nobody's going to care that I got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to give them monkeys that I got that wrong and, and I predicted a New Zealand win. I, I genuinely think Wales have got probably the best opportunity in 25, 30 years to, to beat them. Just because New Zealand aren't playing well and it feels like a settled squad. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the last time I actually looked at a Wales New Zealand fixture and thought we can do this was probably back in 2008 and mm. I just haven't felt that way since the 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 main thing I am worried about is George North at 13 mm. like I, I know he's had a few caps there now and he's played a couple of times for the Ospreys but he's never really played against a proper attacking team when defending in the outside centre channel so that is something I I am you know a little bit concerned about. Mm. Well, we shall find out come five o'clock on Saturday afternoon, my friend, and uh, no doubt we'll we'll catch up again next week. And, and no, we're not done already, are we? We are, mate. We're out of time already. Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh what go are you going to do? Bad again, now, man. <laughs> <laughs> But enjoy the game on the weekend, mate. Oh, my my dog's well, had enough. <laughs> enjoy the game on the weekend. I shall catch up with you uh, next week. All the best, my friend. Thank you, mate. See you next week. Cheers, mate. Ta-da. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters Pems team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet Pems. Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.